Well, Merry Christmas. Here we put our faith in Jesus and, and not in Amazon Prime to come on time, right? Hope no one's nervous about that. Uh, we're excited that you're here. Thank you for coming and Merry Christmas to everybody. Um, this morning or this this afternoon, I want us to look at uh, really what they have uh, just uh, sung about, and that's Joseph, uh, because I think upon a closer look at the story of Joseph uh, in the Christmas story, I think you're, we're going to see quite quite the guy who um, hopefully um, we can look at this and you can take something because uh, I don't think things seem as they appear. Um, I was, and I, I told the story a couple weeks ago, sometimes we, we think people do, we, we don't realize that people are doing amazing things for us that inspire us. And I was coaching baseball two weeks ago in a tournament and I had this one boy and uh, the, the, the team had just uh, changed pitcher and they brought in this huge guy. I wanted to see a birth certificate. He did not look 12 and he was just throwing pellets, right? Throwing pellets and, um, and but I noticed when he was warming up, he wasn't uh, throwing strikes. He was kind of wild. So this one, one kid, I said, Riley, I said, uh, what we do is, you know, this is the indicator. If I, if I pull my ear and then if I touch my face, that means take a pitch. And so first pitch, I said, hey, here you go, here you go. He didn't swing. Great. I, I said, okay, uh, it was a ball. So I said, hey, let's do it again. And so I gave him that, the take sign again, and it was another ball. And the pitcher all of a sudden looked like something was hurting his leg. The manager comes out. Riley walks over to me, and he goes, uh, he says, Coach Frank, I can't, I can't do it anymore. I said, I said, what do you mean you can't do it? You took two balls. That was great. You're, it's 2-0 count. Yeah, this is great, 2-0. He's like, well, no, I mean, you said, you know, when, when you give us the takes on it, means we're supposed to take one for the team. We're supposed to get hit, right? I said, wait, what? I said, you thought the whole season when I give you the take sign, I, I was wanting you to get hit by the pitcher? I mean, like, what type of a player does that for a coach? An awesome player, right? I didn't even realize what was going to that kid's, you know, Riley's not a big dude, and this guy was huge, and he was trying to lean into it a little bit to get hit. Sometimes things don't see, uh, don't, don't seem, uh, don't appear as, you know, really what's happening. And we're looking at Joseph, um, and I think if you look at him, to me, Joseph embodies hope, faith, joy, and peace in this little seven verses that we're going to look at um, uh, this afternoon. This is Matthew 1, uh, verse 18. Here we go. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother, Mary, was pledged to be married to Joseph. And all that means is this. Both families decided this was a good fit, and they had sent out the invitations, right? They had already sent out the invitations. They got on the not.com target. They registered. It was going to happen, right? This is, I mean, it was going down. But imagine this. You're Joseph. You're a young fiancé. But before they came together... She was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law. In other words, because he had integrity. Because he was uh, noble. And yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace. Because in Old Testament law in Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy if, you, uh, have, uh, if you commit adultery, you could be stoned. And so he, was, he didn't want, obviously did not want that to happen. And he had in mind to what? To divorce her quietly. You know, I, I think 
if you're excited about a, a wedding, if you're excited and all of a sudden your world comes crashing down, uh, imagine you're a young guy and you're thinking, uh, my goodness, I thought this was just going to be unbelievable. Uh, I fell in love with Mary and her family. I thought everything was going to be great. And, and, you know, and then this happens and you start looking out at other families, other young families, maybe your buddies who, get, who are getting engaged. And I think, you know what? You know what I would struggle with if I were Joseph? I, I would struggle with being a little jealous, struggling with, with envy. Why, why is this my lot in life? Why, why, why am I going through this, right? I mean, when, when life happens, and life has happened to Joseph, and things um, uh, are making him look like he was the one who was played, he was the guy who was cheated on. Um, hey, he was faithful. He did not want to, uh, did not want to expose her to public disgrace. Uh, Paul talks about this in Romans. He goes, you know, the first nine commandments of the ten, I, I do pretty well. But you know what gets me every time is the tenth commandment. What's that? Coveting. Coveting. How do I deal with desire? Because here's what the commandment says. Thou, thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife. Right? The lust of the flesh. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's uh, ox or maidservant, which is the lust of the eyes, the things that other people have. How many of us struggle with that? The lust of the flesh. We thinking about, man, if they have that type of physical pleasure, that type of sexual pleasure, oh man, I got to have that. Or they have this stuff. Or the last thing in that 10th commandment is you shall not covet thy neighbor's house or, or the family name, the pride of life. Paul says he struggled with that. And here, I would think um, a Joseph would struggle with that. But you know what? He doesn't. He just obeys. How does he do that? How does a guy who's publicly shamed do what he did? And that's just be obedient, put your head down, and just go. Would you like that in your life? Would you like to be this type of man, this type of woman who has that type of integrity and says, you know what? Here's my audience. My audience for my life is one, and it's God. So whatever he says, I do. Do you believe that you have, uh, that that life is available to you? That Christmas has anything to do with giving you that type of power? Because I think most of us in this room would freak out if something like, uh, like this happened to us. But it doesn't stop there. Verse 20. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. What Jesus means. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. This is the prophet Isaiah. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife in spite of what it looked like. And what does he do? He does not consummate their marriage until what? Until she gives birth. So they're together, but they don't consummate the marriage until she gives birth to baby Jesus. And he gave him the name Jesus. The other question I ask is not only where's the envy, but here, where's the resentment? Because when life happens to you, some of us, 
we, you know, the, the whole idea of Advent is longing. We're waiting for Christ to come. But what happens if those longings aren't met? Aren't met? Some of us can become angry, right? We can decide, this is, you know, this is the way my life is. I want you to hear this quote. And maybe some of you will know who this is. I'm a person of faith. It's life. And everybody has to deal with something. You're talking about cancers and those that are much more important than baseball. Spiritually, that helped me. I've had a lot of people call me and thank me for giving them direction. He says this, Our hearts are broken, but we are at peace knowing that He is in the arms of His Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. This year, you know who died? Bill Buckner. Bill Buckner was the first baseman of the Boston Red Sox in the 1986 World Series. And in the ninth inning, he let a ball go between his legs and they, and they lost game six and then they lost game seven. Almost 20 years later, Boston brings him back and he, go, he walks out on the pitcher's mound and throws out the first pitch and they give him a standing ovation even though he, they lost the World Series for Boston. And what he said at the end of his life is, that's not my life, what I, one error. That, that is not going to define me. Right, I my my definition is my Lord and my Savior Jesus Christ, and He just passed away, and that's what they write about Him. I love that. It's it's it would it would make every sense in the world for this guy to be angry and bitter. It would make every sense for Joseph, now that he's publicly disgraced, to just leave, but he doesn't. What does he do? He um, he honors God. How? And so I just. I promised I'd only go 15 minutes. So I only got six, well, six, I'm going to go at 30 seconds more. Three words, three words. That's the, these are your three points. Remember this. First one is God. God is this. The meaning of Christmas is this. Jesus is God. That God the creator became a human being. If you don't remember anything, please remember this. We believe that, um, you know, all this Christmas talk about community and peace on earth between people who normally fight and know they're peaceful now. All that's secondary. The point of Christmas is this. The creator God has become a human being. Wow. Every other religion says this. Our God is about a great teacher who loves morals. You know what Christianity says? Our our Savior, the unique Son of God, has come down to die for us in spite of our best efforts to be moral and to be good. And He came all the way. He, he came down and He died for us. God, right? God. He is, Jesus is God. Jesus is not a, a prophet. Jesus is not a really good guy. He is the Son of God. Mary had humanity and divinity in her belly. That's mind-blowing. God. God with. Think about this. He is God with us. This is the soft and beautiful part of God. That He has um, not only come alongside us, but He has entered into a personal relationship. Think about up until this moment, how had God come? How did He come to Job? Like a tornado. How did He come to Moses? Like the burning bush. How did He come to the people of Israel? In, a, in, this, in this great cloud at, during the day and then this fireball at night right people were around God but they weren't necessarily with God and here in the New Testament in a new way God came to us and he was truly with us God did not show up as a fire a pillar of fire but he was a what he was a baby have you ever held a baby 
Is there anything like holding a baby? What's unique about a baby? You always can pick them up, right? Little babies, the most intimate and familiar form of human existence. You pick them up and they're always there for you. This is the way your Savior came, as a baby, right? Not as a toddler, not as a teenager, as a baby. It's trying to tell you and me something. You pick them up and you hug them and you kiss them and they are always completely open. Your God, your Savior is always completely accessible. That is the unbelievable gift of Jesus. God with, he is fully with. He's not just around, he is with you. God with us. Notice it does not say God with all. So what's us? God is not with all, God is with us. What does us mean? What does it mean for God to be with us? If you look at the context of all the Christmas texts, here's what you're going to see. Who were invited? The shepherds. A teenage humble girl. A, a journeyman man who was humble and would listen to an angel. And what? Three wise men who were willing, wise men who were willing to follow a star all the way to Bethlehem. What, do you, what, what does it mean to be us, God with us? People can receive this great gift if you come to God without your references. If you come to God without your arguments, that's who comes to God. That's who God wants. And if you're there, come to Him. Maybe you've never really come to Him. You've been around Him, but you haven't been with Him. But to be an us means, you know what? You think in yourself, I, God doesn't owe me anything. I deserve nothing. There's no reason for him to accept me except because what Jesus Christ has done. All you need, if you will, is what? Is nothing. That's what it means to be in us. God. He is with, not just around generally. He is specifically with you like a baby. Like you could hug and kiss a baby. That's a God that is personal and intimate. And he is with an us. But you have to be coming without your arguments without your pride and that's what mary and obviously that's what joseph did and god was trying to tell you and i something uh this afternoon what does it mean to be with him and so let me ask you this if you're dealing with a large case of envy or if you're dealing with a heavy case of anger we look to this baby who grew up and never committed a sin, but was tempted in every single way that you and I have been tempted. Yet he never, ever uh, fell. And here's what we realize. We look at the cost to him. And what was the cost? His hands. Nails. You think about his side. Right below his ribcage. A spear. That was the cost. You think about his forehead. Long thorns piercing his forehead. Blood coming down, Right? You think that was the cost, and he did that for you. So what can that do to you when you're feeling the envy, when you're feeling the anger? Here's what he asks you to do. Think about what I've done for you. That all, all I mean, my entire life is for you. And you know what? Every skeleton you have in the closet is forgiven if you will be in us. And by an us, that just means will you come without your references, without your arguments, and truly come to me? Because like he says, come to me. Everybody in this room who is weary and angry and heavy laden, and you know what you get? You get Sabbath. You get rest. 
And Joseph, I think, when you really look at those eight verses, here's a man who, in the midst of all kinds of turmoil, he lived a life of rest, a contented guy. And the only way I believe he could do that is for him to understand Emmanuel, his God, is with him, is with us. Where are you? Please make this personal. Please understand that we have a personal God that wants to know you.